0: Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us in our series, Easter, The Jesus Way. Jesus is our ultimate example for how we should live our lives. In this series, we are looking at Jesus' ministry, from His calling to His victory over the grave. We are walking alongside His journey to the cross, to His death and burial, and then to His resurrection. Each week, we will be deep diving into chapters 15 through 21 of the Gospel of John, leading us all the way to celebrate Christ's victory over the grave on Easter Sunday. Now let's tune in.
1: Well, let me ask you a question this morning. Are you the type of person that loses things a lot? Maybe you have lost your sunglasses all over town. You have left your phone in more places you can count. You can rarely keep up with your car keys. Some of you guys are going to struggle to figure out where you parked in our parking lot today. You just lose everything And some of you are married to people that lose everything. Your significant other had left his wedding ring in the ocean, you know, he sunk it there, or maybe... Your wife has left a charger at literally every hotel that you have ever stayed at. You know, she just forgets to unplug it. We lose things of varying degrees at all times. In fact, when we clean up the auditorium today, we're probably going to find some coffee mugs. If you have a Yeti that you want to donate, just go ahead and put Jason Hale on a post-it note, leave it right under your, uh, your chair, and we will gladly take that from you as well. But it's been my experience that we lose things of various values all the time some of which are not that important, and some of which are very, very important and register with us as a huge loss. Several years ago, I was traveling. I was in New Hampshire, actually, and I had an experience that you never want to have. I lost my wallet, and if that has ever happened to you, especially on a trip, it is not a fun experience. And so I started doing what everybody does. I start retracing my steps, and I cannot find my wallet. And then I go into every bag, every you know, pocket of the backpack to try to find the wallet. I can't find it. And then I go to the rental car, and I'm trying to find it. And my, my blood pressure is still at a manageable rate because there's still hope. But at about the 11-minute mark, I go into full-on maniac mode. And that's happened to you where your mind just goes so irrational. Like I have, this this is stolen and someone has compromised my identity and they're buying things from Amazon as we speak. And then I realized I flew on this trip and you got to have identification to get on a plane. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to get home now. I'm going to be stuck here forever. What about my family? I mean, New Hampshire is nice, but it snows a lot. I don't want to live here forever. Uh, And your mind just goes down this irrational path. Now, crisis averted because I found the wallet a couple minutes later. But when you are searching for something and you can't find it, it takes you to a bad place, doesn't it? Lest we forget the great COVID toilet paper crisis of 2020. (laughs) Do you guys remember that? I mean, it took us to a bad place. But on this Easter Sunday morning, I think it's safe to say that some of us are probably searching for something. Maybe we feel like there's something we've lost, or maybe we feel like there's something that we haven't quite found just yet. And I'm not talking about just the loss of stuff, but I'm talking about what it means to be in a season of searching. If you're not in a season of searching today, I'm sure that you don't have to think very hard about a season of searching in your life, or I know that you know someone that is in a season of searching right now. And maybe, just maybe, they're looking for some type of hope. Maybe you're at a point in your life when you're saying, you know what, I've not found what I'm looking for just yet. I was hoping that life would look a little bit differently than it does right now. I thought that my job situation would be different, and I'm searching. I thought that I'd be married by now, and I'm searching. I thought that I would have kids by now, and I'm searching. Or I have kids, and I thought they would be a lot more well-behaved by now, and I'm searching for wisdom. (laughs) Perhaps there's a joy that used to be present in your life, and it's not there anymore, and maybe you're saying, I- I'm searching for some meaning, and I'm hopeful that there is something more than my current story. If any of those scenarios ring true for you this morning, my prayer is that you would realize because of the empty tomb, you and I don't have to search for hope anymore. There is meaning, and there is life, and there is joy. There's wisdom that comes in knowing Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus gives us the guidance and the direction that we so desperately need. And on this Easter Sunday morning, I want to invite you to pray with me because I believe that God has something that He wants to show you today. I, in fact, know that you're not here by accident today. You're not here by accident. It's not just a coincidence that you showed up at Rolling Hills Community Church today. And so, my prayer is that God would show you what it is that He wants to show you today and that He would bring peace. And that he would bring us the answers to the things that we're searching for today. And that we would realize that those answers are only found in him. I'm so, so glad that you're here with us this morning. Why don't you pray with me as we dig into God's word. So Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this Easter Sunday morning. And thank you for the joy that's in this place. And thank you for the hope that we have because of you. God, you are so good and you're faithful. And I thank you for your presence here today. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and commit all these things. Amen and amen. Now I'm going to be spending our time together this morning in the Gospel of John. It's Gospel of John. You're going to see these words on the screen here in a little bit. If you need a Bible, there's some back in the back. If you want to hop on a Bible app, go with me to John chapter 20. And you're going to see at the subject heading of John chapter 20, my Bible says the empty tomb. So a fitting chapter for Easter Sunday. This is the Sunday that we celebrate the fact that the tomb is empty. Now for context purposes, 33 years prior to this moment, Jesus was born fully God, fully man. That's the Christmas story. And he lived a sinless life. He called disciples and ultimately he had told his disciples and he tells us today that his life was going to be sacrificed for their good his life would be sacrificed so they could be made right. That's God's plan for you. And I don't want you to miss this morning. God did that for you because he loves you. I like to say this almost every time that I get up here to preach. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at that phrase, while we were still sinners. Did you catch that? See, that's the state that you were in when God sent Jesus for you. Sometimes we believe that we had to be in a perfected state, that God doesn't love us if we don't have everything together. It's in fact while you were broken, when you were broken, when you were searching for meaning that God sent Jesus to die for you. Now, Jesus had left his disciples and had, had, had died, and he's ascended, getting ready to ascend in a little bit, but prior to that, he was resurrected, and he told them this is exactly what was going to happen. He painted this picture for them that the tomb would be empty after three days, and so that's where we pick up in John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. So early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, And went straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed, and they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So you have Mary Magdalene and two of Jesus' trusted disciples, Peter and John, and they arrive at the empty tomb over the course of this Easter morning to find that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. What does Mary Magdalene do? She shows up expecting a dead body. And she runs to the disciples and just assumes that Jesus' body has been stolen. And they go back with her, and all three of their eyewitness accounts testify precisely to what Jesus said he was going to do. I did what I said I was going to do. Now, do you all ever have that friend that they say they're going to do something, but they're really not very trustworthy? They've been telling you forever that we're going to get together, and you've been waiting like four years for a dinner invitation, and every time you see them out in town, we're going to get together sometime, or maybe you have a coworker who says, yeah, I'm going to get that form to you, and you're thinking, yeah, right, Pam, you know, you've been, sorry if your name's Pam, yeah, you've been, you've been promising us that form every quarter and you haven't done it yet. See, it's our human nature. Our human perspective is that people don't always follow through with what they say they're going to do, but Jesus did. And do you know, believe it or not, that that is precisely what separates Christianity from every other world religion. It's what separates Christianity from cult religions, because most world religions have some teachings that sound a lot like Jesus, that sound very similar to the teachings of Jesus. However, There's no world religion that has at the center, at the tenet of their faith, the Savior, the Creator, the Lord, who not only died for the sins and for the sake of his followers, but who conquered death. That is what separates the message of the gospel from everything else. And that's why Easter Sunday is so important, because it's that empty tomb that gives us hope. Now, that empty tomb caused... Mary and Jesus' followers to start searching for answers. It set them on a search, much like many of us are on a search today. It launched them into a search to try to discern what is it that is going on, and so that's where we pick back up in verse 11, and you're going to see a little bit about Mary's search. Here in just a second, you're going to see something about the disciples' search, and at the end, you're going to see something about particularly a guy named Thomas and his search, but let's start with Mary. Back in verse 11, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, "'Sir, if you have carried him away, "'please tell me where you have put him, "'and I will get him.' "'And Jesus said to her, Mary.' "'And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, "'Rabbani,' which means teacher. "'Do not let it be lost on you this morning "'that when Jesus saw Mary, "'his first two questions to her were, "'Why are you crying? "'And who is it you're looking for?' "'Why are you crying, Mary?' And who is it you are looking for? Jesus saw her in her humanity, and Jesus realized she was sad. Jesus also realized she was searching for someone, and Jesus met her in the midst of that search. In fact, take note of this this morning. We give you a worship guide, and I hope that you'll write in some of these uh, statements. Maybe you'll reflect upon these a little bit later in the course of the week. But it's a great truth for all of us to realize this morning that when we can't find what we're looking for, stress and anxiety always follows, doesn't it? I mean, think about your life. When you can't find what you're looking for, stress and anxiety always follows. And that's precisely what had happened with Mary Magdalene. Worry had set in for her, followed by tears and followed by hurt and followed by pain. She was sad because the savior she was looking for was not there. And maybe in your life. You would say, I'm on a search right now and I'm frustrated or maybe I'm anxious or maybe I'm worried because I haven't been able to find what I'm looking for. And I'm not just talking about lost stuff. That's not the search. I'm not talking about searching for Taylor Swift tickets. I know that that's a big search right now, (laughs) but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that deeper meaning, that inner peace, that calm in the midst of storms that we weather in life, the hope in the midst of... Of travesty, that, that 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 desire to know that there has to be more in life than I'm living for right now. And if you have not found that, or maybe you're struggling right now to find the hope and the meaning that you know that the Lord wants you to have, if you've not found that, you are likely stressed, and you are likely worried, and there's probably some angst in your life right now, and there's some anxiety that you don't want to have. The Barner Research Group, which is a world-renowned research group, they did a fascinating study on the city of Nashville, and they released these results just a little over a month ago. And their, their, their statistics were quite overwhelming about our city, our metropolitan area, because what they found is that people who go to church and people who don't go to church really weren't any different with the levels of stress and anxiety that they had. In fact, they found that 70 to 80% of all adults reported significant levels of stress, anxiety, and worry, significant levels, in the last month, once or twice a month. And then when you go to young adults, uh, those who you know, are under the age of 30... For young adults, it skyrockets to 85 to 91%. So what does that tell us? It means that we have mental health hardships. It means that there are so many things that are contributing to the worry and so many things that are contributing to the anxiety that we have in our life right now. And many, many things contribute to that. And in the essence of time, we could know in no way, shape, or form go through all of those lists of things. But we do know that one of the things that causes stress and worry in our life is when we are looking for something and we can't find it when we're looking for some kind of hope or we're looking for some kind of answers or we're looking for some kind of peace, and it seems somewhat elusive, much anxiety comes in our life from these unsuccessful searches. And so then you have Mary. Mary was sad. Mary was in turmoil. And Jesus not only saw her, but he called her by name. The Savior of the world called her by name. And this Easter Sunday morning, may you realize that Jesus sees you Jesus sees you this morning. This is a very simple truth, but it's a really profound truth because we live in a world that's quite isolated. We live in a world where the pace is so breakneck speed. and isn't it encouraging to know that Jesus sees you? He sees you, He sees you. He sees you, He sees you. He sees every person that will come into this room for our second service today. Your frame is not hidden from him. So before you go searching for hope in all of the wrong places. May you realize that it's not lost on God that maybe you're struggling today. It's not lost on God that maybe you're worrying today. Listen to what the psalmist said to those of us who are struggling. He said, before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in and behind and before, and you lay your hand on me. What does that truth remind us? That truth reminds us that before I even speak, he knows it. Before I ask a question, he knows it, why? Because he is behind me and he is before me. He sees you today. And he wants to meet you in your search. Because Mary, particularly, she was searching for answers. And when Jesus comes to her, he, he asks her a question, "Who are you looking for?" Isn't it quite honor, ironic, that Jesus answer, asking her a question that he's the answer to. <laughs> "Who are you looking for? Oh, me." And then he reminds her, "Why are you looking for me among the dead?" Why are you focusing in on the grave clothes? I'm no longer there. I'm here with you. And he's trying to help Mary kind of flip that switch in her brain to help her realize that he is Lord over all and he has conquered death, meaning Mary, I can conquer all of those questions. I can give you clarity for all the answers that you need in your life. See, the moment that Jesus rose from the dead, that tomb became a museum where you could visit it to remind yourself and remember what Jesus has done. But he's saying, look there no more. Stop searching for a dead man. But rather, focus in on he who is speaking with you now. I'm here. I care about you. And he met Mary in that search. And he will do the exact same thing for you today. So Mary was on a search. Jesus' early disciples were also on a search. They were searching for something a little bit different. Let's go back to the text. Pick back up in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. So it's this first day of the week and we, we know that Mary was out at the tomb looking for Jesus. The disciples, not so much. They were behind lock and key behind a door for fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus comes into the room without a key, mind you. It's a locked door. And Jesus just bursts through the door and says, peace be with you. Uh, And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I'm going to need some peace if the door is locked and Jesus just comes through the door because he's God and he can do whatever he wants, I'm going to need some peace. So this serves as a dual purpose. It does provide peace in that moment because they're like, ah, oh, wow, that just kind of messed with me a little bit. So that provides some peace. But Jesus is also providing them peace, saying, you don't have to cower back in the corner in fear anymore, because I came to bring you peace. Both of these statements carry a message of peace to the disciples who were broken and who were fearful. In fact, the first resurrected words of Jesus to his disciples were, peace. And so you have Mary, who was searching for meaning in the unknown, answers to her questions, and then you have the disciples who were searching for peace in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the fear that they were experiencing. But because of the empty tomb, did you know that you and I no longer have to live in fear? We don't have to live in fear anymore. Why? Because Jesus conquered the grave And because he's resurrected, all of the fear that I have in my life can, in fact, be conquered by him. And that's a vastly different message than the world tells you today. Because what does the world say? The world says fear everything, doesn't it? In fact, fear is kind of the lowest common denominator amongst people. And it's the one thing that we can all agree upon. But through God's word, may you be encouraged that it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to live our lives in fear. We can rather have peace. Did you know that Jesus brings peace in a way the world never will? I hope you realize that truth this morning. Jesus brings peace in a way the world never will. For the disciples, they were handling their fear in the most well-known way that most of us handle fear. How do you and I tend to handle fear? We hide. (laughs) It's just our natural tendency. We're afraid of something and we don't do it. You're afraid that your kids might get hurt, so you bubble wrap them and keep them inside all times. You're afraid of the big bad world, and so we isolate ourselves from the world, opposed to saying, no, I want to be a light in the world, and and, and I want to be a positive uh, influence on other people. We see a snake, and we run the other way. I'll give you that one. Yet, Jesus (laughs) meets all of us in the midst of our fear, he met the disciples in the midst of their fear, and he wants to do the same thing for you. In the midst of them cowering in the corner, Jesus said, peace I bring to you. Peace I give to you. And then there's Thomas So we've looked at Mary, we've looked at the disciples, and now particularly one of these disciples is named Thomas. And if you've never studied Thomas before, if you have no familiarity with Thomas, you are in for a real treat. And this guy is quickly going to become one of your favorite Bible characters. Go back to verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Jesus getting a lot of traction out of that miracle. He's like, I'm gonna do that again. So he comes and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What we see here about Thomas is that Thomas was conveniently absent the last time that Jesus burst through that door. He wasn't there. And the other disciples come to Thomas and they're like, Thomas, Jesus was here. We saw him. He is alive. He has resurrected from the grave. And Thomas, being like a lot of us, crosses his arms and says, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, I will not believe that he came into this room. Unless I'm able to take my hand and put it into his side that was pierced, I will not believe. I love Thomas. I really relate to Thomas. Thomas is one of my favorite disciples. Why? Because Thomas is the guy at the Mexican restaurant when the server says hot plate, Thomas touches it. <laughs> Just got to see for myself. Mm, yeah, it's hot. I mean, the sizzling fajitas should let you know that. Hot plate. Thomas is the guy who has a connecting flight. He's flying from Nashville to, I don't know, let's say Atlanta onto Orlando. And his, his, his flight lands at Atlanta at gate B12. And his connecting flight to Orlando, his gate C14. Thomas immediately trucks it from B12 and before he does anything else, walks all the way to C14 just to get an eye on it to make sure the gate is still there. I see some of you Thomases out there. I see you. I'm like you. That's how a lot of us tend to operate. One week later, Thomas and others are in the room. The door is locked, and Jesus enters again without a key. (laughs) Don't you love that? I mean, Jesus is almost like he's saying, this really shook them the first time. So here goes again. I'm here. Peace. (laughs) And he walks right to Thomas and says, take a look. Stop doubting me, Thomas. Here's my hands. Here's my side. I am here. I love you. I care for you. This may be shocking news to you this morning, and you may have never expected to hear this on Easter Sunday at church of all places, but do you know that Jesus meets you in your doubt? Jesus meets you in your doubt. If you have some doubt this morning, you're not a terrible person. Why would Jesus give us this beautiful interchange between he and Thomas if it was wrong to ever ask a question or to ever doubt? See, Jesus, in fact, gives you permission to search, and he gives you permission to to grow in that faith journey. He gives you permission to say, I want you to realize who I am, that I died, that I was resurrected, and when you grow in me, and when you trust in me, I will bring clarity to your search. However, The caveat to all that is you have to turn to him, because Thomas is turning to him. Sometimes we turn to the world to get clarity on the things of the Lord, and that clarity will not come. But rather, when we turn to God, when we run to God, when we commit to pray to God, when we say, Lord, help me make sense of what's happening around me, help me make sense of these things that I'm searching for in my life, Jesus will always meet us there in our questions and he was showing Thomas who he is. So in this little interchange in John chapter 20, you see Jesus speaking to Mary, and he did not say to Mary, why don't you get this? Mary, why are you so messed up? How much clearer do I need to make it? Rather, he says to Mary, Mary, why are you crying? Who are you searching for? To the disciples, Jesus did not say, how much more can I do to prove to you that there is peace in this world. He wasn't saying, what else could I do? I mean, Jesus didn't come to them and list out all the miracles. He didn't say, you know, I fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. I washed your feet. I brought sight to the blind. I brought that guy named Lazarus back from the dead. What more could I do to show you that I am who I am? Rather, he said, peace, be with you. And to Thomas, he didn't say, away from me, you wretched person. I condemn you, and I can't believe that you would question the validity of this message. Rather, he says, Thomas, here are my hands, and here is my side. Take a look for yourself. So on this Easter Sunday morning, may you realize prayerfully for the first time, or maybe the hundredth time, that Jesus satisfies your search. Jesus satisfies your search today. And Jesus will satisfy the search like nothing else in life ever will. For some of us, we're trying to satisfy that search with religion. Maybe you were raised in church or uh, you, you think that you're good enough, and you can never be good enough to warrant the Lord doing for you what he has done for you. And you currently, of course, can never be good enough to fulfill God's plan for your life in your own power. Or maybe you, you were raised in Sunday school or, or your, your mom was a Christian and you think to yourself, I'm all good with Jesus because, I mean, I have a heritage of faith and I have pretty good church attendance. Do you know that coming to church makes you no more a Christian than sitting in your garage makes you a car? <laughs> Being a religious person doesn't mean that our eternity is right with God. But yet that relationship with God, that's what changes everything. That relationship with God, that trusting him, that knowing him. Maybe you've relied on uh, maybe an upbringing or maybe you've relied on um, legalism or whatever the case might be, and there's been a diagnosis in your life or there's been a tragedy, and you realized that that wasn't enough, that religion wasn't enough to give me the hope that I needed for some of us, we've relied on our resources to satisfy that search. And we've been able to buy it all, we've been able to do it all, and as fun and as nice of those things have been, they haven't really fulfilled us. They've still left us a little bit empty. Or maybe it's been all of the if I just had statements. I call it these if I just had statements. If I just had a better car, if I just had a better job, if I just had a spouse, if I just had a child, if I just had dot, dot, dot then I know that my life would really be satisfied. And at the end of the day, as good as all of those things are, they don't really satisfy that deepest need of our heart and soul. But in the person of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior, we find that hope, we find that peace, we find that joy, we find answers for our questions, we find forgiveness, and we have eternal life. But without the empty tomb, none of that would be possible. None of it would be possible. Think about it. If Jesus had died and that was the end of the story, then it drastically changes how we should trust him. If Jesus had died and that was the end of the story, then he would have not fulfilled what he said he was going to do. And it would mean that the sin in our life would have to be covered by some other means, but that's not the case. Jesus is no longer in the tomb, meaning that all of the fear, all of the hurt, all of the answers in my life can be conquered by him. Why? Because he is alive, and he wants us to draw our strength from him today. And so this morning, I, I want to give you a chance to respond to that. I want to give you a chance to respond to the God who loves you. You've heard it referenced once already this morning, but you were handed one of these worship guides when you walked in this morning, and, and I want everybody in the room to, to take this out. And hopefully you have a pen) um, or something that you can write with and, and write with, and I want everybody in this room to respond to this today. I want everybody to have the courage, whether you are a first-time guest today or whether you have been worshiping with us for 20-plus years, to have the courage to say, you know what, I just want to be really honest and real as to where I am with my search. And if you're searching for some answers today or you're searching for some hope today, just know that here at Rolling Hills Community Church, we would find no greater joy in coming alongside you in that so it's been my experience that all of us are going to be in one of these four categories if you look at the bottom of the card it says where are you today where are you in this search today and maybe you would say you know what i'm in category a in category a i'm accepting jesus christ and his gift of salvation for the first time i realize that I am broken. I realize that in my own power, I have not been able to satisfy that search. And today is the day of salvation. And I want to boldly say, I want to accept him. And whatever you mark on this card, one of our staff will follow up with you this week. We're not going to come and knock on your door and be waiting at your doorstep to talk to you about this, but we will follow up. And we will say let's lean into that together and let's learn together and pray together. And so maybe you're saying, you know, I'm accepting Jesus for the first time today, or maybe you're in category B where you say, I believe in Jesus, but I've never taken that next step of baptism. Mm -hmm. Praise God for Jackson and Matt and Rachel today taking that step of faith. And maybe that's a step of faith that you want to take to publicly say, I know that Jesus has changed my heart. And I want the world to know about it. I'm not ashamed to share that with the world. Or maybe you say, you know what I'm in category C? I'm committed to Jesus as a disciple and I'm living my life for him. If you mark category C, it doesn't mean you're perfect. But it means you're saying, I'm trying my best. I'm a committed follower of Jesus and I want to walk in him. Or maybe it's category D. I love category D. I don't know about Jesus' claim, but I'd like to talk with someone more about this. Because I'm a lot like Thomas. I don't really know if all this can be trusted. I don't really know if God followed through on what he said he was going to do. And so this morning, we're going to give you a little space right here, right now. Seek to minimize the distractions as much as you can and just have a little bit of time between you and God to reflect upon who he is and to just honestly say, this is where I am. This is where I am on my journey. This is where I am on my search. Lord, will you meet me there? So won't you take just a moment to respond to the Lord today? And then I pray this morning that you would have the courage here in just a few minutes to actually hand that card in. This is what I like to call the 1980s all-skate. This is for all of us. Whether you have been walking with Jesus for a long time or you're seeking out his claims today, I hope and pray that you realize it is not by accident that you are here. It's not by accident. And I don't just mean Easter Sunday morning at Rolling Hills Community Church. It's not by accident that the Lord has you exactly where he has you. It's not by accident that the terrible things that have happened in your life that you're struggling with and that you're questioning right now, it's not by accident that the Lord is wanting you to come to him right now and say, Lord, meet me in the midst of that search. Whatever you are searching for, wherever you are on your journey, whether you have found it, whether you're struggling, whether you have or have not, Jesus is here Jesus satisfies, he is risen and we celebrate him today.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with someone in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network available on Spotify, Apple podcast, and Google podcast. Thanks for tuning in.